Good morning. <clears throat> so let's get started with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for uh, this morning. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, whose death and resurrection has reconciled me to you, who's put me back in right relationship with you and has done that for so many in this place. Father, you know the struggle of trying to uh, get get a talk together. And uh, Father, I pray that you just give me rest, that your Holy Spirit would work in me, that you give me rest, that you uh, give me peace as I speak in this, that I know that your Holy Spirit will say what he wants to say, and that you will have heard what he wants to be heard. That Jesus will be pointed to and be made known how you will. And so... I pray for this time this morning that you do just that, that you open our hearts to know Jesus. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So I figured I would kind of talk about Christmas and Thanksgiving. That's what I should do. So next week we'll start Advent and we'll do, you know, there's always four uh, weeks for Advent and we'll light, a wreath, we'll light the candles on the wreath and all. And uh, here's how, you know, for me, I think this is probably true for most of us, is that Thanksgiving, when it comes this Thursday, will really kick off Christmas. And actually, because Christmas is kind of, I mean, because Thanksgiving is kind of coming late this year, some of you may have already started Christmas, right? I mean, has anybody bought a tree yet? I've seen people online who've bought trees. That's cool. That's fine. I'm not not judging you. I'm just saying some of us may have already started Christmas because Thanksgiving isn't arriving on time. And Thanksgiving normally kicks off Christmas for us. We know that. So, this morning I'm kind of asking us how we're doing Christmas because it's about to happen. Is it going to happen to us or are we going to plan it and we're going to celebrate Jesus? So Christmas starts, uh, Christmas starts Thanksgiving. We kind of know it's coming. This is kind of how it happens for me. It just tends to like get away from me. Thanksgiving happens and then Christmas is here. I think... I go into Thanksgiving thinking, well, Thanksgiving will happen, and then I'll figure out Christmas, right? But then you start preparing for Thanksgiving. I went and bought a turkey already. I got the fryer out. You know, I've got it cleaned up. I'm ready to, to fry my bird on Thanksgiving, right? But uh, there's more preparations to do for Thanksgiving, and then Thanksgiving is going to hit. And this is kind of my schedule. I'm just going to share, share my schedule with you. Maybe it's similar. And this is year to year. It's about the same. Monday through Wednesday, we go to work, most of us. But... I mean, really? Is it really that much work on Thanksgiving week? Right? Three days of work. Wednesday, you're at work, but you're probably not even doing anything. And then, you know, Wednesday night, you come home, and you're kind of getting ready for Thanksgiving. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe you're the cook. Maybe you've got to get a bunch of stuff ready. Maybe for you, getting ready for Thanksgiving is like just, you know, getting into the nostalgic mindset of the holidays. And you, like, get some sort of plaid blanket and cover up and drink hot cocoa or something like that. I don't know. So Wednesday night, it's kind of getting ready for Thanksgiving. Then on Thursday, for me, I get up, I get all my stuff together, we get out the door because we don't celebrate Thanksgiving at my house, we go to my in-law's house, right? I take a fryer, I take the turkey, this year I'll be taking my baby, I'll be taking my pregnant wife, we'll get our stuff, we'll go to the in-law's house, then we'll cook, and then every, all the family will come over there and we'll eat, and then we'll just kind of kick back and relax and watch a game that nobody cares about, and then, right, and then... We'll eat a little more, just like kind of snacking, because we'll all pretend like we're really full and we couldn't possibly eat anything else. And then I'll go home and I'll go to bed. All right? Then on Friday, Thanksgiving's not over on Friday. 
right? I mean, you've just started the holiday. You feel like you didn't even do anything. So you, on Friday, you might get up. You kind of lounge around, maybe with the plaid blanket again. I don't know. Then, or you get up really early and you go shopping, right? If you're like us, we don't really get into the whole early shopping thing. We just kind of go out like later the day, later in that day. And it's more just, we're not going to buy anything. We're poor. We have no money. We're just going to go because that's what you do, right? It's just something to do. It's like, oh, it's Christmas time. We're, we're going to go shopping with everybody. So you go out and shop. And then we eat. And usually our family goes to a movie together on Friday night. It's just like a tradition. It's nice. And Saturday, still feeling kind of nostalgic and enjoying the holiday feeling. So, hey, why don't we go get a Christmas tree? Right? And so we'll go get a Christmas tree. And then we're like, man, we don't have any ornaments or Actually, our ornaments are all in storage right now, so we'll probably just go buy some ornaments. And then, we'll, you know, just buy Christmas stuff and get all into the spirit. And the next thing you know, Thanksgiving's come and gone, Christmas is here, and it's just, bam. So then, Sunday comes, you'll probably come to church, or you'll be coming back in town from wherever you're at. You'll kind of get back into the groove, but it's Christmas. And there's Christmas parties. Our, our missional community is going to go see lights on Monday, at the, the lights of the South. So we're going to go do that Christmas thing, and you'll have parties to go to. Christmas is going to be here before you know it, and it starts, like, right now. The next thing you know, it'll be New Year's Day, 2014. I'm going to have a new baby here, and I'll say, man, where did Christmas go, right? What was that about? Now, here's the thing with me, is during the whole Christmas season, I really do want it to be about Jesus, and I think most of us do. And so maybe we tag our Christmas cards with, like, Jesus is the reason for the season, or something like that. And, and you know, it's not, it's not that we don't want that. It's not, that we, it's not even what we want, but he just doesn't always show up how we want him to. Like, you know, we know, well, it's Jesus' birthday. This is about him. So we, what do you do? You make Jesus a birthday cake? I mean, right? It's hard to figure out how you celebrate Jesus at Christmas. And so we keep trying to put him in there and trying to find him in Christmas, and sometimes he just doesn't make me warm and fuzzy enough. And so, like, I move on to pumpkin pie and... Cokes with little polar bears on them and things like that, right? So I just get, sometimes you just end up ditching it on accident. And so the point this morning is just to say, hey, let's stop, slow down while you got a chance, and think about how we're going to celebrate Jesus this, this year. Because there's something better for us, I think, than pumpkin pie and all that kind of stuff. I think that we can during Advent season, I think this is why we we have this as a church, is that we can taste and see that the Lord is good, right? That we can take a season to taste and see and savor Jesus. Here's a quote from John Piper. He has a, an Advent devotional. I, I'll recommend it. I'm going to put a couple of devotionals on the city today that I'd recommend for you if you want a recommendation. But this one's from John Piper. It's from a, a devotional called Good News of Great Joy. And so it'll just take you through the Advent season. But he says at the beginning, what I want for Christmas this year is to join you in seeing Christ in all his fullness and that we together be able to love what we see with a love far beyond our own half-hearted human capacities. We want together to see and savor Jesus, whose first advent or coming, his first coming we celebrate, and whose second coming we anticipate. And so my aim this morning is just to help us or to remind us to slow down for a moment and to make this Christmas a Christmas worth remembering. One where we, we make the theme, we select a theme for our Christmas, and it would be that we taste and see Jesus, that we savor him and that we celebrate his first coming and that we anticipate his second one on purpose so that we come away out of the season changed, knowing Christ just a little bit more. And so with that as our backdrop, I want to ask, 
two questions this morning and try to try to answer them. Number one, what are we celebrating when we celebrate the first advent, the first coming of Jesus? And how should we celebrate it? And then two, what's with the anticipating of the second coming, and how can we do that? So this morning, we're going to read from Colossians uh, 1, 15 through 23. That's where you always go at Christmas. <clears throat> Excuse me. Colossians 1, 15 through 23. He is the image of the invisible God, speaking of Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, I'll tell you that I spent a lot of time trying to prepare for this morning, okay? And I had this whole thing written out, and we are just going to go through that passage and break it down. It's going to be super boring, okay? But I kind of changed that, because it was actually one thing that I really wanted to get out of here, and so that's where we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning, is verse 21. Because when I asked what we celebrate when we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, this is what we celebrate is verse 21. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, verse 22, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So, this morning I want us to consider who you once were, as verse 21 says. You, who once were, not anymore. Right? You, who once were alienated, alone, Hostile in mind, angry, full of hate and pain. All right, that's kind of, not, that's not cheerful. <laughs> Doing evil deeds. I mean, this is verse 21, that you, you once were alienated, hostile, and doing evil deeds. And that, I don't know how often we stop to think about who we once were, and has Jesus really made a difference in our life? You know, are we not hostile? Are we not alone feeling? And then I want us to consider that Christ's death and resurrection, uh, with verse 22, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy, holy and blameless and above reproach. So I think that this uh, in Luke, when, when uh, you know, the angels come in Luke to the shepherds while they're watching their flocks, and the angels come and they say, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Lord. And then he goes on to say, then a bunch of angels join in and say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's well pleased. It's a, you who once were far off, fear not, for behold, there's good news. And so what I want us to consider this Christmas is that you're not alienated and alone anymore. You're not hostile. You're not doing evil. You have the ability 
to be in relationship with God, you've been joined to the, with other saints in this reconciliation. You are in community. You are in relationship with others and with God. That Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has made your relationship right with God again, right? So that you can talk to him and you can commune with him. Uh, your hostility can be traded for joy as you look to Jesus. And you can do good as you look to Jesus. That you don't have to live in fear of death because you have life and that peace is here for us. Um, the reconciler, Jesus, has come and he's put us in righteous relationship with God. So my prayer this morning with that first part is that, that we grab hold of that peace this Christmas. That we can, you know, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's well pleased. I pray that we're able to grab hold of that peace, to find rest in him. Knowing that he who could be feared and should be feared has done something great towards towards us and just demonstrated his goodwill towards us. Um, so we recognize and remember whose we are. We, we've been in Hebrews lately, right? And so one thing, like I said, I was going to go and like break down all this thing. I would just recommend take a break from Hebrews. It's okay. We're supposed to this week. We're taking a break from Hebrews and spend some time in this first chapter of Colossians. Let it point you to Jesus and, and study that. But then consider who you once were. Consider whose you are now, right? In Hebrews 1.3, uh, that's where we started out, right? It says that Jesus holds all things together by the word of his power. You know, I, I like to think about that. I've been stuck on that since we started Hebrews because it doesn't say, like, he holds all things this is the way I've always pictured it. I know he holds all things together, and I know that my mind's a little crazy maybe, but I always picture like Jesus in his sandals in space with like a big net around the universe, and he's just like, you know, holding it together. I know that's not right. <laughs> and this scripture like proves that I'm not right. It makes it better, right? Because he says he's not holding it together by his power because he's just like that. No, he's holding it together by the word of his power. Like, it, everything has heard how powerful he is, and it holds it together. Right? That's a, that's a powerful God that you belong to. That's a powerful Jesus who saved your life. Last week, uh, Jeremy spoke about how, what it means to be laid bare, and he was like, you know, it's like being out and having your neck back ready for the slaughter. That's who has us laid bare, who has come. He's that powerful. He has us that laid bare like that. But consider who you once were. Consider that Jesus came. Consider the goodwill he's shown towards you. And you can find peace in that, right? We can find peace being laid bare by somebody who we know has it all under control and who has our best in mind, has good intentions towards us. We can trust him. We can find peace. The second part, so that's, that's what we celebrate when we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, as we celebrate that we are not any longer the old person. We are a new person. The second part is anticipating the second, coming of Christ, or the second coming of Christ. While we remember who we once were and celebrate Jesus, who has, bought us, uh, who has brought us to life in him, we also recognize that not everything is completely reconciled yet. I mean, just look around you, right? Typhoons, tornadoes, tsunamis, murders, Lying, stealing, accidental deaths, suffering, divorce, abortions, broken hearts, cancer, disease, 
people slandering each other, making fun of each other, bullying, whatever. Things aren't right. We know that it's not completely right. Everything has not been reconciled. So these things are all around us, but our hope is still in Jesus, who's laid a solid foundation for us to put our hope in. He who's powerful and who has it all under control has already shown his good intentions toward us, and he's already promised that he's going to come and he'll put an end to all this. Right? We have a good reason to believe that he's telling the truth. So, one hope, our hope is in him who holds it all together and has fulfilled his every promise. And this is what he promised before he left. Uh, I'm sorry. He's promised to return and to once and for all reconcile things to himself. And in Colossians 1.20, uh, that's from Colossians 1.20. And before he left, he said he would even send us his spirit, that we would be his witness on earth, that we together would be Jesus. Right? So he's actually invited us in to participate in the reconciliation. As Jesus is reconciling all things to himself, he's made us one with him, and so we get to participate in that. That's pretty radical to me. And so we wait in peace and resting in his word and taking part in the reconciliation uh, by proclaiming good news to one another, by bearing with one another in love, um, by being single-minded, pointing each other to Jesus. Our lives can demonstrate hope in him. So uh, Colossians 1.23 may seem tricky, right? Because it says, if, if you remain in the faith, stay one steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. But we know that if you're finding your hope in Jesus, if you're finding your rest in Jesus, then it, it becomes your faith. I mean, your faith acts it out. You can't be hearers and not doers, right? Um, excuse me. So this is how we demonstrate our hope in him. This is how we proclaim him as we go on living in faith stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel, pointing each other back to the hope constantly. That's what we're going to try to do this Christmas. So that's how we anticipate the second coming. Um, The question is, how are we doing that this Christmas? How are we doing either one of these things this Christmas? There's one other devotional, and I'll put it on the the city. Uh, It's an Advent devotional called Come, Lord Jesus, Come. It's by Nathan Sherman and Will Walker. And they wrote this kind of in the preface. It says, uh, a deliberate tension must be built into our practice of the Advent season. Christ has come, and yet not all things have reached completion. So we remember the longing of Israel. We give thanks for, the, for Christ's birth, and we anticipate his return. We pray when, Christ, when Christmas Day arrives, you will join with the, the early church, with the word Maranatha. It says, come, Lord Jesus, come. So that's my hope for us, is that we would like slow down, get very intentional about looking to Jesus, that we would be able to celebrate because of who we once were and then be able to anticipate in who we are now and the the hope that we have, the second coming of Christ. That we would savor Jesus as we celebrate his first coming and anticipate his second. Um. I want us to be able to discover through Christmas, through the Advent season, you know, we need to find new things about Jesus where 
not new things about Jesus, but we need to discover them over and over again because we're very forgetful people. At least I am. That Jesus is my hope. I can find peace in him. I can find joy and love in him. I've got sweat in my eye. (laughs) So, here's the deal. Instead of January 1st, 2014, uh, coming around and realizing that Christmas has come and gone, and wishing that we had done things differently, or or wishing we would have known how to do things differently, why not ask all the questions now? I started this... uh, this book, and some of you have probably heard about it, it's by Donald Miller, and it's a storyline thing, and so you're, you're kind of getting yourself a life theme, and like, it's just, it's just teaching you how to like, kind of plan your days to be more productive, and it's good stuff, though. And so I kind of stole this from that, but why not, instead of getting to January 1st, 2014, and looking back and saying, man, we really miss Christmas, and I don't remember Jesus showing up, why don't we just ask the question right now, before we even get to Thanksgiving? If I could do this Advent season over again, I do blank. I want you to ask that. I put these in the bulletin too. If I could live this Advent and Christmas over again, I'd blank. It's a good question to ask. It kind of gives you a, an idea of what you're wanting to accomplish so you can lay out you know, a plan, right? So I'm asking us to like put some plans in place today and to deliberately taste and see Jesus this Christmas, to deliberately savor Jesus. Last year we did this thing called Advent Conspiracy. Uh, it's just a just a movement a bunch of churches kind of get on board with, and uh, it it's ask, it's, it basically has four tenets, and it's just a, a thing put in place to help us slow down and to savor Jesus during Christmas. There's four tenets: one, worship fully; second, spend less; third, give more; and fourth, love all. And so we're kind of doing it again this year. We're not going to do like a sermon series on Advent Conspiracy, but we're doing a couple things. I'm throwing that title on it right now because it lines up with that, right? I want us to slow down and say we're Jesus. So why don't we ask questions like that? If I could do Advent season over again, I'd do what? And when you're trying to answer that question, consider, how will I worship fully? How will I spend less, give more, and love all? I'll try to try to help you with that as far as uh, understanding the questions maybe. Why not ask them, like, uh, what are you going to do to say we're Jesus? What are you going to do to worship fully? That's the first tenet. What are you going to do to worship fully? One thing is you could just do an Advent devotion with yourself, with your family. Right? We did this Come Lord Jesus one last year, and it just completely tore me apart, probably because I was expecting my daughter during Christmas. And uh, you know, to be expecting a baby at the time when you're celebrating Jesus coming as a baby is mind-blowing. But it was a really good devotional. I'll put that one up there, and there's others. But do it. I would really uh, recommend that you get like a, an Advent devotional, and just take the opportunity to, you know, go through the season of Advent, look into Christ through that lens. What about prayer time? Maybe you already have prayer time. That, I hope so. Uh, but maybe there's some specific things you can pray for this season. Uh, one thing is I'd like to see us get together a little bit and pray throughout Advent. And uh, I'm planning on putting a time for some actual prayer on the city. So look for that also. Uh, it'll be after next Sunday, so exact times and stuff can be in the bulletin next Sunday. But we do want to have some some uh, some prayer time to where we are just coming and praying that the Holy Spirit would open our hearts and enlighten our hearts to know who Jesus Christ and know his love. So the second one is where are you spending cash when you should be spending relationally? That, that's the, the spend less and give more part of Advent Conspiracy. It's just saying, 
You don't have to go buy that ugly sweater for somebody who's never going to wear it. Because honestly, it'd probably mean a lot more if you spent time with that person. You can give relationally. Maybe it's making something for them. Maybe it's going to the zoo. I don't know why you'd go to the zoo with just some, I don't know, maybe. But it's just, it's just thinking about our gift giving a little bit more. Because when we give gifts, aren't we trying to express how much we value that person? And does an ugly sweater do the job? Or does you know, the card do the job? Maybe it does. I don't know. But think, just think and be very thoughtful about the gift. Right? Are you spending cash? Are you throwing cash at a gift this this year for somebody? And it's going to be forgettable. Or is there a way that you can spend relationally on that person to where it lets them know that you really value them because of who because of who they are, a child of God. Um and third, consider who you once were according to Colossians one twenty one. Alone, alienated, hostile. Doing evil deeds. How does the love of Jesus for you give you perspective on how you see others and those you know and those you don't? What can you do to love all this Christmas through acts of service and generosity? Is there something we can do intentionally during the season? That we don't just like get swept away through the parties and going to see the lights and doing the stuff. But we actually set aside some time to love all those around us, to love our community, maybe to give. Maybe it's giving to missions. Maybe it's going out and doing something else. But is there a way that you could set aside a time to serve and to love all? I'll tell you, we're going to do one thing. I think it's already in the bulletin on the back. We're going to go downtown and just hand out baked goods to people and just just to bless the community. I mean, it's not that big of a deal, but it's something, right? So during the Christmas Light of Spectacular, we're actually joining with another church. You guys can cook stuff for it, by the way, and bake some pies or whatever. And then we'll go down there and hand it out, tell people Jesus loves them, and just hand them a cookie, right? But is there something that you can do on your own? Is there something you and your missional community can do? I don't know. Something I want you to think about. These questions are here this morning for you to please think about before Thanksgiving happens. That's it. Let's get very intentional about how we do Christmas. And then lastly, I want to read Colossians 1, 9 through 12. And this is... This is Paul's prayer for the Colossians. Um, it's a prayer that I want us to pray for ourselves and for our families and for our community and for our church during this Christmas. Uh, it says, So we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and in spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And then verse 13 and 14. We can can take that and make it the thing that we are celebrating uh, this Christmas. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. That's all I've got, is that I want us to slow down and remember what we're celebrating and just find ways to get intentional about focusing on it. All right? Okay, let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you again for this time. I thank you for these folks. And um, I pray for our hearts that we just find rest and peace in you this season, that uh, knowing that there's a firm foundation that Christ has laid for us to put our hope in,
and find peace in and rest. That we do that. And that we celebrate and join in the, uh, the anticipated coming of Jesus again, when all things will be reconciled to himself. That we participate in that now, and that we find uh, great joy in doing that. Father, I pray that this Christmas doesn't get away from us, that everybody has a great time, and that we just have a lot of fun and joy, but that it, it point us to your Son, that we'd be overwhelmed by him. We love you. We praise you in Jesus. Amen.